Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Numbers. Hello and good morning, faithful listener. My name is Jen. I'm the host of the Bible Explained podcast, and I'm so excited that you chose to join in this morning and discuss the scriptures with me. So, of course, today we are now in Numbers chapter 33. We have moved past Numbers 32 and are continuing in our journey of Numbers, and we're going to be finished with Numbers pretty soon here. Next week, actually, is the last week we're going to be in Numbers because there's only 36 chapters of Numbers. And then the following week, October 24th, we're going to be moving into uh, season five of the Bible Explained podcast. So I'm excited about that. I hope you guys are too. But let's go ahead and read Numbers 33, the entire thing, one through 56, actually. I won't be reading all of it. A lot of it is um, pretty repetitive, but I'll be reading quite a handful of it. So still, I encourage you guys to read the entire thing yourselves. However, just due to time on this podcast, I will not be reading the entire thing. But I'll be reading Numbers 33 this morning out of the NLT version, which is rare for me. Usually I'm out of the WEB. But I'm going to read it out of the NLT because the NLT breaks it up a little bit more coherently for me. So make sure to grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea and let's go ahead and jump in. This is the route the Israelites followed as they marched out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. These are the stages of their march, identified by the different places where they stopped along the way. They set out from the cities of Ramesses in early spring on the 15th day of the first month, on the morning after the Passover celebration. The people of Israel left defiantly in full view of all of the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn sons, whom the Lord had killed the night before. The Lord had defeated the gods of Egypt that night with great acts of judgment. After leaving Ramesses, the Israelites set up camp at Sakoth. They left Sakoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. They left Etham and turned back towards Pi-Hariath, opposite Baal-Zaphon, and camped near Magdal. They left Pi-Harioth and crossed the Red Sea into the wilderness beyond. Then they traveled for three days into the Etham wilderness and camped at Marah. They left Marah and camped at Alim, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. So I'm going to stop there because basically it goes on to say they left such and such and arrived at such and such. And that continues on for till verse 47, basically. So I'm not going to read all of that, though each individual place is very important because almost every single one of these places are mentioned previously in either Exodus or Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy. So there are 42 places in all that are mentioned. And that means that in the 40 years that the Israelites were traveling around the wilderness, they stopped at 42 different places. And almost all of them are mentioned. I think it said that uh, 18 of the places were not mentioned other than this this, uh, chapter of Numbers right here. So for the most part, stories happened in each of these different locations. A story that was great enough to make it into the Bible. (laughs) And one of the places I did mention here in verse 
9, actually, or verse 8, it says that they camped at Marah. And we remember Marah as that place where the waters were very bitter when the people left Egypt and the people complained against God and were like, we're going to go back to Egypt because clearly Egypt, us being in complete and total slavery was better than this place, Marah, which has no water for us. So they complained at the the place of Marah. And so, yeah, we did hear about that place once before. But for us nowadays reading all of this, we might recognize some of these areas, but we might be like, why are we reading this? Like, this is so boring. Who cares what locations the Israelites went to? I can understand that feeling because I'm going to I'm not even going to lie. When I first read this to present it to you guys, I'm just like, oh, good. (laughs) What am I even going to talk about here? But then once I started reading it, there's quite a lot I can talk about, actually, because This shows a lot of God's mercy. Like, for example, the verse that I read regarding Mara, here's what it says in verse nine. They left Mara and camped at Elim, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. I think that's really interesting that God actually doesn't mention the sin at Mara in that verse. In fact, there are no sins that are actually mentioned here in this verse at all. It's like God erased them in this chapter, though, yes, we have them and we can read about them in this chapter. It's God showing his mercy and his uh, provision to his people as they're camping along and going through the wilderness, eventually getting into the promised land from Egypt. Now, of course, the trip from Egypt to the promised land would have really only taken like a month. Like on foot. And honestly, it probably would have been even shorter than that. Like it was not a very long trip from Egypt to the promised land. But because of their sins, they just kept getting blocked from entering into the promised land because there were people that lived there. And so the, the Israelites were sinning. And so God was taking away his hand of, I shouldn't say protection because that's not the right word. He was not allowing the Israelites to succeed into entering into the promised land. So that's why they were traveling around for 40 years and going to all these different locations from the beginning. But here in verse three of Numbers 33, it's pretty cool because it says that the people left Egypt defiantly in full view of all the all of the Egyptians. Like that's a cool way to to put that, because when the Israelites did leave Egypt, it was in complete defiance of the Egyptians. Imagine a slave just being granted so much freedom. Like what a wonderful thing that must have been for the Israelites to be able to do that, to leave Egypt defiantly. Like I love that. They left defiantly in full view of all of the Egyptians. But it's just an interesting thing that God really brought his servants up out of the mire, basically, and allowed them to leave Egypt in such a grand and glorious way while the Egyptians were humbled because here's what it says. The Lord had defeated the gods of Egypt that night with great acts of judgment. And that's in verse four. So the Egyptians were left very humbled because they believed in these gods that couldn't do anything for them. And so every single plague that God brought down onto Egypt, including killing the firstborn sons, was something that each famous little G Egyptian God was supposed to protect them against, basically. And I discussed all of that when we went through Exodus together about the uh, different judgments that God brought, basically bringing down the gods of Egypt. 
which was so cool. That was God showing his power to the Egyptians as well, as well as humbling them during all of this. So anyway, from verses five all the way down to 36, it talks about basically the first 40 ish years that the Israelites are traveling around the the desert. And now it says in verse 37, here's a verse that I wanted to mention. They left Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor at the border of Edom. So now we're getting more uh, up to date with where we've been in the podcast. And it says in verse 38, while they were there at the foot of Mount Hor, Aaron, the priest was directed by the Lord to go up the mountain and there he died. This happened in midsummer. On the first day of the fifth month of the 40th year after Israel's departure from Egypt, Aaron was 123 years old when he died there on Mount Hor. So yeah, now we're basically back up to date with where the Israelites are now in Numbers 33, basically. And this shows that Aaron, when he died, was 123 years old and he died there on Mount Hor. So now in verses 40 through 47, it mentions a few more places that the Israelites traveled after that. And now basically we are back up to date completely in verses 48 through 56. So let me read this. It says, They left the mountains east of the river and camped on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River, across from Jericho. Along the Jordan River, they camped from Beth Jeshemoth as far as the meadows of Acacia on the plains of Moab. While they were camped near the Jordan River on the plains of Moab, opposite of Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, you must drive out all the people living there. You must destroy all their carved and molten images and demolish all of their pagan shrines. Take possession of the land and settle in it because I have given it to you for you to occupy. You must distribute the land among the clans by sacred lot and in proportion to their size. A larger portion of land will be allotted to each of the larger clans and a smaller portion will be allotted to each of the smaller clans. The decision of the sacred lot is final. In this way, the portions of land will be divided among your ancestral tribes. But if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live and I will do to you what I had planned to do to them. So yeah, that is a warning because now the people are at the Jordan River. They are basically right about to go into the promised land. Moses is still alive at this point, I should mention, but he is about to die very soon. And even Moses himself knows this because God basically told Moses (laughs) he's not going into the promised land and he's going to die in the wilderness along with all the other people who sinned in the wilderness because Moses was also a sinner and we we talked about what he had done. But now the people, as they are about to enter into the promised land, God gives them one last message. He says, make sure you drive out all the people that live in the land, all those Canaanites, all those Jerichoanites. <laughs> drive them all out, but don't just drive them out. Destroy their pagan shrines. Destroy all of their gods. Destroy everything that they worship. And this is tying into the beginning of this chapter where God had brought down judgment on the gods of Egypt. This is tying into all of that. So it's a really interestingly well-written chapter where the beginning is the same as the end, (laughs) where God's main goal is really shown through this chapter, which was to 
bring the truth to the entire world. And the way that it was done back in these days was that God would wage war against the little G gods of that time. And he did that through the plagues in Egypt. But now he's telling his people, his children, the people who worship him and follow him, that they need to do it when they go into the promised land. So this would have had to be faith on their part to do this. Uh, They needed to not worry about what the people of that time period thought about them. They needed to not worry about, oh, my gosh, like, what if these people like we should just make a, a peace treaty with them instead of doing this, because that sounds like it would be better than having a confrontation. And, you know, like we would rather be tolerant than have a a confrontation with them. But God is saying, don't be afraid of the confrontation with these people. In fact, if you don't have a confrontation with them, here's what it says in verse 55. But if you fail to drive out the people who lived in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they will harass you in the land where you live. So God is saying, have a confrontation with them. Don't be afraid of these people. Don't be afraid to fight against them. Don't be afraid to knock down their pagan shrines. Because if you don't, these people are going to remain in the land and they're going to harass you for all of time. And not only are they going to harass you, they're going to fight against you. They're going to war against you. They're going to be like splinters in your eyes. I can't even imagine how terrible that sounds. Like having one little thing in your eye kills, doesn't it? Like you have to go to the bathroom. You have to try to find the little thing that's in your eye. Sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes you can't find it. And it's so painful. But God is saying that these people are going to be like splinters in the people's eyes. (laughs) That just sounds terrible. Like, oh, but God is basically saying here, like his prime goal was to bless the nations through the Israelite people. And one of the ways the Israelites were going to do that was by destroying these pagan shrines that the people worshipped. And culture was much different back in these days than it is now. Like we have to remember that reading this. But that was one of the ways that people would believe in Yahweh God was if God himself, Yahweh, showed himself as stronger. So, of course, they would start to abandon their little G-gods and follow after Yahweh, the real God. And that was what God had done with the Egyptians as well, several years prior to the 40 years prior to this. So, yeah, this is just God showing his ultimate goal, which is to really get all of the nations to start believing in him, because that was the way that the people were going to be blessed through the Israelites was through having Yahweh as their God. By worshiping him, by following the Jewish laws, by converting to Judaism, basically. And really, this is the same exact thing that Jesus was doing with the Pharisees. He was calling out their untruths. He was not afraid to tell the truth. And he was not afraid to have a confrontation with them in front of all of the people so that people could start recognizing what the truth really was. And God was very big and still is very big on us being active of us evangelizing, of us telling people the truth, the people who are still living in the darkness. They need to hear about God's goodness so that they can believe it for themselves. Well, faithful listeners, I am so glad that you tuned into this episode and got this far and are continuing 
to share the Bible Explained podcast and tell people it exists. But also another way that you can support the podcast is just by rating and reviewing it from wherever you're listening from. As crazy as this sounds, that is an excellent way to evangelize because the more ratings and reviews the podcast gets, the more it bumps up on the charts, basically, and people can find it better. But faithful listeners, don't forget about the devotional I am coming out with this week. I am so excited about it. It's the Adore Devotional for Teenage Girls. It's going to be available very soon. And the second it is, I'm going to send out an email to everybody. I'm going to post it on Facebook. I'm going to tell you guys about it on the podcast so that you can consider getting one for your teenage girl. But faithful listeners, I hope to see you bright and early tomorrow morning. We're actually going to be talking about Jesus confronting some Pharisees tomorrow morning. So it's going to be a great episode. I quite enjoy it myself. But all right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow. Happy listening and God bless.